Hello, hello, what is good? You're tuned in to Mango Masala, Pi Radio's new, well, still semi-new, South Asian show, bringing you the latest tunes and chai. It's 2021, and yeah, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> 2021 and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. <laughs> All the people that were like, can't wait to leave 2020 behind, my guy, what's different? What is different? I don't know. For those of you that don't recognise that voice, this is Halima. Hey! <laughs> I, I like I to use my air horn. I jumped in prematurely then. <laughs> nah, it's good. We love to see it. Like, that's the energy we need to bring. Um, so, Halima, I think we've like introduced you like three times already over the phone. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, why don't you introduce yourself? Like, tell the people what you're about. Okay, I'm Halima. Um, so, I wasn't here in the past three shows because uh, COVID. um i am a bangladeshi muslim born and raised in manchester um i've just finished a master's in modern south asian studies and i want to pursue a career in academia working almost exclusively on like bangladeshi history and politics basically that's the crux of it nice so how did you find it like studying yourself almost like or your own culture um like as a degree um it was, I mean, obviously it's interesting. There's, there's always, I mean, everything can be intellectualized. So to be fair, when you say my community, my master's um, thesis was actually on indigenous identity formation. So it's not exactly my community. Right, um, okay. But obviously within the context of like Bangladeshi politics and stuff, but definitely interesting. There's mm-hmm. a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Having said that though, obviously it was a modern South Asian studies master's. Um, but really they should have just called it like india and pakistan studies <laughs> yeah that, that t- it tends to be quite like it's interesting you know how like the whole general world tends to be like quite western centric yeah how within mm-hmm. south asia is very like india pakistan centric 100 like, i mean yeah. it was a, it was a huge problem that i had and like on the um course feedback form i really went off like i was writing paragraphs and mm. paragraphs and paragraphs because obviously this is it's like a very systemic and like institutional thing you know the neglect of like bangladesh has always been the kind of like the hinterlands of south asia and it's very succinctly mirrored in the academic context mm-hmm. but, i mean i can go on and on about that but i mean it was good it was interesting no i'm sure like it sounds like I'd love to have done like, well, to be fair, I did do like a um, module whilst at uni. I did music, but I did a history module on India. Well, again, India and the partition. Mm-hmm. But obviously that's like relevant to like my past family mm-hmm, history. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting to study. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like to do a whole master's on that sounds like I'd love to do that. But yeah. Um, so what made you like, want to go into academia full-time because a lot of people who will talk to will be like they they enjoy uni at first but then once they get into it they're a bit like they can't wait to get out and it's like the constant deadlines um the lack of like structure almost like mm-hmm. so what makes you want to actually go into that full-time? i'm laughing i'm laughing because i feel like you think the assumption here is that i'm a good student and i'm really not like my undergrad dissertation like every, apart in my four years of university so like my three years of undergrad and my one year of masters there's only one essay so i did english at undergrad so it's an essay subject yeah. there's only one essay that i wrote that was not the night before 
My undergrad oh. dissertation I wrote in 32 hours. See, I could never get that. See, like, I, like, I wrote stuff. I finished stuff the night before, but I could never, like, start, nah, start stuff. Start from, like, start from scratch. Start from scratch. Uh, so that's why I was laughing when you're like, oh, you know, a lot of people struggle. I struggle. Yeah. I really struggle. But well, Why do you want to continue the struggle, then? I'm trying to be a historian, man. Because, well, I guess, again, it's that thing that I was saying about being Bangladeshi. Like, especially when you grow up and you... For example, you know, you said you, you did the... um. You learn about partition, right? Yeah. Where did partition take place? I mean, we talk about the partition of the subcontinent, but materially, geographically, where did it take place? In Punjab and in Bengal, right? Mm, like, what, what what are we taught about more often than not? The Punjab partition. Like, very there's true. very, very little scholarship in comparison to, like, what's the Bengal? Like, and, yeah. And, like, yeah, I personally have to, like, proper, like, look into this whole idea of, like, that was mm-hmm. it was India, mm-hmm. then it was Pakistan, mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. Bangladesh. Like mm-hmm. it's quite hard to. That's what I mean. I, I don't think it's hard to find out information on that, but it's like it's definitely not like centered on. No, no, it's like, not like and 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 as I said, like it's not. There's like a huge, like massive historical and political contingency of the way that this dynamic currently functions. Because as I said before, like Bangladesh has always been the hinterland of the subcontinent throughout the colonial period, like and then now in the post-colonial period as well. Um, there is a systemic neglect, as, as I said, of like Bangladeshi, um, like academia in the South Asian studies field. Um, so I'm just trying to like ventriloquize some of those histories and voices, you That's know, represent enough. my people then. Yeah, well, obviously we need more people like you if it's not getting enough mm-hmm. attention. So. And, and of course, like, in the, for example, like in the UK, um, it's really funny, like, so I, I did my master's at Cambridge, which is obviously like a really elite university. And you'll be surprised at how many. So I, I don't know if you know, like the obviously Bengalis are there's two types of Bengalis. There's Indian Bengalis and there's like Bangladeshi Bengalis. Right. Um, and the stereotype with Indian Bengalis is that they're all very, very academic. For example, like when the Brits were creating like the middle class and the intelligentsia in colonial India, it was very, very focused on um, West Bengal. So like Indian Bengalis. Um, and even now to this day at a place like Cambridge, the the place is, is, is full of um, Indian Bengali scholars. So like, it's so, it, it's just so pervasive for them. And then you look on the other side and there's Bangladeshi, there's just no one to represent us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, we have, we have to have other people to talk on our behalf. And it, and it, and it, it speaks to a wider socio-political context in the UK where Bangladeshis are like, consistently the poorest if not one of the poorest um ethnic demographics yeah yeah no isn't it i always see the statistic where it's like black and, and bangladeshi, bangladeshi always yeah. always every single time um and that has been the case since we've since the inception of our communities here um and obviously it makes sense like if you don't have uh, capital and access and resource how are you ever going to get into those spaces um mm. which is why it's really really important that if i have the chance that i need to yeah. It's interesting how that's transcended from literally in the subcontinent mm-hmm. over 100%. Here. This yeah. is what I always say. Like, there is such a mirroring context between the two. And, uh, like, there, there are reasons why. It's because, as I keep saying, Bangladesh was always a hinterland of the subcontinent. We were... Because obviously most of our population was like Muslim, um, we were mostly agricultural workers. Um, we went through two 
wars of independence um where like we didn't inherit like so, so if you see the subcontinent india obviously inherited the colonial kind of structure the administrative they became the administrative structure and then it was pakistan in terms of you know the east and west pakistan it was west pakistan that then inherited the administrative structure and then we were just left kind of picking up the pieces of having fought two wars um and then obviously the people that then migrated as well like patterns of migration are very interesting if you look at for example um the indian diaspora in the uk they are the wealthiest ethnic demographic and we are and bangladeshis are the poorest ethnic demographic but then when you have like collective uh, collective like uh political and cultural signifiers like brit asian it's a mm. bit like well, what does that even mean because yeah. we're not even it's just very anyways my point was yeah. like um in the subcontinent yeah so so our patterns of migration were very very different because a lot of indians for example that migrated they migrated because they had like uh, roots of migration so they they migrated with wealth they they bought wealth from the subcontinent to the uk they were able to become successful in a lot of ways whereas a lot of bangladeshis migrated um out of necessity out of compulsion they were very very poor when they left they were very very poor when they got here and they've just stayed poor mm -hmm. so yeah. story is very different yeah well it's all the more reason for you to bring more attention onto that yeah. but we've literally like gone on a bit of like a tangent, tangent there yeah, but like I it's a tangent that needed <laughs> to happen like and i'm happy to that's give, why i'm always yeah. very reluctant like whenever these things come up i'm always very reluctant because i'm like if i start <laughs> yeah but it needs to be said so yeah moving on um oh yeah we forgot to even address like there aren't two other people oh yeah yeah <laughs> so um unfortunately simran and ben are unable to join us today but it's all right because it's halima's first show and all the attention is on her now mm -hmm. so you know you know like i, I really love being the center of attention yeah obviously. my family always tell me i have a um, main character syndrome mm. <laughs> oh, I've seen so many like memes about that, like thinking they're like the main character. No, really, I am the main character, honestly. Yeah. Well, I've literally like I've only known you in person for like twenty minutes, and I can already tell that that's the case. <laughs> right. Moving on, we're gonna discuss um a bit of news, so stuff that's happened in the past week <laughs> or so, and th I had a look and I couldn't really find anything particularly pertinent with regards to um asia or mm -hmm. asian subcontinent mm -hmm. um but we can certainly talk about things from our own perspective or how other people may perceive it and obviously the main um topic this week has been what happened on wednesday and if you don't know like where have how you do been? you not know yeah, how do you not know right so uh, i'm just trying to figure out how where do we start with this like so this is to do with <laughs> america and I'm literally like, I wrote like- Already embrace yourself. Yeah. I literally, I broke down um, this for the Pi Radio website. So I'm literally like looking at what I've written to like try and like go through it. Mm. Right. So 6th of January, um, they were doing the final vote counting. Uh, to be honest, I find American politics a bit confusing. Like I don't really understand. Yeah. Like, it was basically it for Senate now. So like Biden had won and now it was, yeah. it was like, I think the, the votes have been counted to determine- how the senate would be made up yeah and like once that vote was done it would be absolutely in concrete there's <laughs> mm -hmm. no more debate about it uh -huh. like democrats uh -huh. won joe uh -huh. biden is uh -huh. like president and i think donald trump tweeted something before like 6th of january that, man is, a, there. that man is just always tweeting like a tweeter man always always tweeting like a tweeter <laughs> oh well not anymore <laughs> anyway. well have you seen the memes like 
obviously he got removed from Twitter and it's like um it, it's it's a profile picture of Donald Trump with like a fake mustache on. The tweet <laughs> yeah. is like, "Hello, it's me. I'm new on Twitter." <laughs> Bro, when I saw it, my body was vibrating. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, but for the, for those of you that don't know what actually happened to lead to that, um, he's basically for the past like few months been making false claims about fraud in the election that happened in November. Um, he encouraged his supporters to quote fight like hell and take back our country, and actually asked them to march to the U.S. Capitol building. Subsequently, surprise, surprise, uh, pro. Trump mob marched on Congress and began rioting. My bear in mind, Congress was actually in session when this was happening. So like they were all inside, like mm-hmm. whilst all these Trump supporters were rioting. Um, eventually they managed to storm the building and they were easily able to break past whatever barricades. Easily were in place. being the operative yeah. word here. <laughs> yeah, like if you want to go online, you can see loads of videos and it's basically like what security. Yeah, like, literally, yeah. like what. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um. So they got in, caused havoc inside. Um, I think eventually things must have escalated because I know four people died, but then I think only one of them was the one that got shot. One of them had a heart attack. I don't. Oh really? Yeah, I don't understand. Like, they if must you're have, a heart patient, what business do you yeah, have storming the Capitol? <laughs> they must have been too excited about it. Oh well. But then, following this, like Trump was encouraged to obviously tell these people to like stop Mm -hmm. like stop what are you doing like i know i told you i know i literally told you to march to the u.s capitol but like (laughs) (laughs) no don't do that (laughs) but um he did he did a video where he basically encouraged people to stop but then in that same video he again made false claims about the election so then twitter took down the video and temporarily suspended his account facebook and youtube both took the video down as well and then since then, I think it was yesterday, Twitter or this morning even, Twitter have confirmed that they have permanently suspended his account. So he's not allowed on Twitter anymore. And I think the main question which I wanted to ask you, Halima, is how do you, do you I feel that's a bit performative. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. It's mad, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I don't know, this guy, like he's not doing anything out of the ordinary. He's not doing anything that he hasn't been doing for the past four years. So why yeah. now? And and I think like this is going to be a trend now. I think for the next few months, the next year or so, whatever, we're going to see a lot of people now coming out to condemn Donald Trump, mm. but they were pinned when it mattered. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like, what? where like, have you been for the past four years? Like, all these Republicans which are coming out of the woodwork, like Mike Pence. Pen- even, even, like, my, yeah. my guy, that's your president. Yeah. It's your president. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I can't be bothered. But I don't, I don't know. And then... <sighs> Then you have, it's really annoying because I'll log into Twitter mm. and then see, like, obviously, like, I think, what was it? There was some, like, pro-Trump thing trending. Mm. And it was basically, like, all these people saying, our free speech is dead. Like, how could oh do-? But God. I'm just like, why do people not understand <clears throat> free speech does not extend to, like, promoting hate and promoting Inciting crime? violence. Like, you know, literally. this is a very, this is a very, very interesting, like, I'm going to try not say too much because it could go into, like, another tangent. But I actually held a workshop in my undergrad, like, to do with free speech. Mm. And at what point does... At what point does it become like hate speech, like the contention between the two, one is allowed, one is not allowed? Because a lot of people, a lot of right wing extremists kind of spout their, you know, hateful rhetoric under the guise of free speech. And it's not the point at which something is inciting violence. It's not just you can't just um, masquerade it as free speech. And that's exactly what's happened here. Like, Mm. 
I mean, Nazism. I mean, you know what the you know what the mad thing is. I was just about to draw like a, a hypothetical equivalence here, but it's not hypothetical. They're literally mm. Nazis. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Some things are just so glaringly obvious that it feels stupid to have to spell it out. I think that touches on what we're going to talk about later. But um, yeah, basically, like it's good that Trump has been taken off Twitter about time, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like where have you been for the past four years yep. when he's literally been mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing the same, doing the most? Mm-hmm. Where was honestly? Where's his energy coming from now? Yeah, it's complete. Ugh. It just goes to show, though, like how much like activism. Or like online activism at least follows trends you know yeah it, it's just because everyone is doing it now that it, people are now jumping on the bandwagon but yeah it's like during um blm protests like the number the whole black square that's me done tip, oh, yeah like, oh activism. it's such a, it's such a pet peeve of mine like just don't say anything yeah. like who's got a gun to your head just don't open your mouth <sighs> right Moving on from American news and focusing more it's on very exasperating, the UK. isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is exasperating. I feel like we could have just had this whole conversation just going, ugh, ugh, ugh. ugh. <laughs> Some ASMR for you guys at home. <laughs> All right, moving on. And again, people are probably going to like tune out when we talk about this because like, we literally talk about this every single episode. But obviously, you have to do a bit of a COVID update. Mm-hmm. So the news at the moment is obviously vaccine is being rolled out and i think again this is, this is the good thing about me like being in charge of the pirate website because i'm literally like writing i I know everything because i'm literally writing about mm. it throughout the week so i think it was on thursday um boris johnson promised that by the 15th of january england will be able to offer hundreds of thousands of jobs he's going to use the army to roll it out there's going to be 223 hospital sites seven giant vaccination centers um everyone should have a vaccination center within 10 miles of their home apparently um and they're going to prioritize the four top groups care home being the first and i think at the moment the largest worry isn't how it's going to be rolled out but more actually having it enough to roll out because i think it's they have the they have the actual supply of the vaccine mm-hmm. it's just it's not not all of it is yet ready Present. to actually go out because they either it's not ready for the nhs to use or because <clears throat> they need to do final safety checks or they actually need to put it into the vials basically yeah, yeah. so i don't know like well I, I suppose time will tell as to whether boris actually delivers on that promise or not but he did he's maybe making a lot of promises i was lately. gonna say like uh yeah, mm. really uh, i have i have i don't know i know i'm i'm sure i speak for a lot of um british people right now when i say i just don't have any faith like the way this has been handled i've been saying this to like a few people recently it's like the repercussions that we're faced so we're now like the what the most infected um country in the world as far as i'm aware i think like Obviously, other countries may have more, but like considering, no, in, per our, considering capita, our size, sorry. yeah, most yeah. most infected per capita. That's yeah. what it was, um, and which is ridiculous. Like it should never ever have got to this point. Um, we had warnings. We're an island. Like it was so easy to control, and the repercussions that we're facing now, they're not. 
they're not a given you know like they they like to use the language of like oh these are unprecedented times after nine months it's not unprecedented anymore when it's happened to countries yeah. around you when you've been given warnings that's not unprecedented yeah. it's willful ignorance See, literally i was like writing the article mm-hmm. and he boris used the term unprecedented and i was like oh i don't want to use that then i looked it up and he was describing the um rolling out of the vaccine using the army and i was like I looked up unprecedented and technically it means never happened before. Yeah. So I was like, with that, I suppose that that's fair enough because like we've never had to roll up a vaccine yeah, using yeah, the yeah. army. But the term has definitely been overused. Overused, like, yeah. Because they, they, I mean, okay, I understand it's a global pandemic. Nobody had prepared for this, but it's not like we didn't have warnings along the way. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's like, been like it's been a whole, it's been over a year. Exactly. Like, they've ignored like any. A, every single point that they've been given any kind of like official advice they've almost always ignored it mm. only to then go and do u-turns schools weren't they went yeah, back to schools, schools for one and, day yeah. one day all like, the exams as well like the fact they mm-hmm, finally decided mm-hmm. to cancel gcse's and a levels mm-hmm. which is a good thing in itself and they've said that they're not going to use um algorithms they're going to trust teacher assessments yeah but then the fact that they're now having to think about how they're going to do that no, exactly. when literally after the fiasco that was a level results last year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like why would you not think yep. this pandemic isn't really going anywhere yeah. maybe we should have a backup plan in case we can't like do exams it's like, literally just always too little too late you know mm. and then you look at you look at so so you know they try to present this image of like oh these are unprecedented it's you know our hands are tied it's we're doing our best and it's just not true because you look at other countries and i understand the context is is different in every country but there are so many other places that have almost completely or completely lifted covid restrictions and then you realize it's not it's not political so it's not a given Mm. you know it's not it's not um compulsion of circumstance it's political and it's normative and we're we're in this situation because of our uh, government Mm it's like every time every time you think it just can't get any more shambolic they really take it as a personal challenge to just make it more <laughs> shambolic uh, so that's why when he when he's out here and he's talking about all of this you know vaccination i do believe that the vaccine is is the is the best shot that we've had in a long time pardon the pun um oh i've only just realized that. <laughs> oh, um man. But I just, but but also I just don't really have that much faith. If it's them ones in it, we'll see. We'll just see. Yeah. Hopefully the fact that we're um, bringing out the vaccine when we're in lockdown, like the two in hand, in hand together, hopefully Mm -hmm. will work. But then it's also like, why would we not have done yeah that anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even Even the whole idea of what third national lockdown, the entire world has taken us for a joke, man. They're mm. all pointing and laughing at us. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, you should have done this nine months ago. As a nation, we probably do deserve to be pointed and laughed at. Yeah, no, like we do. this. Yeah. But anyway, moving on from lockdown, that actually brings us on to the next discussion point, which isn't necessarily news, but it's more we've been putting out a few like feeler things on our Instagram. Um, a lot of you being getting involved, like voting in the polls or questions, that sort of thing. So I've just got a few of them here. So linking to lockdown, um, I actually put on the Instagram, do you think we should go into lockdown? Like literally like the night before. And I think it was like 85% said yes. So mm. we got we got what we wanted, guys. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I hope you're happy. Um, no, that, that, that sounded sarcastic, but actually isn't sarcastic. Like, I, I hope sounded you are. Like, like... That sounded like, uh, what a sad little yeah, life, life change. <laughs> <laughs> take Same the energy. money and get off my property <laughs> uh, um, also very important which a subject that I'm very very passionate about mango rubicon 
was oh the overall winner against Passion Fruit, which if you vote with Passion Fruit, like, what, what well, are you I doing? do want to make a confession. I did vote for Mango, but I do also love Passion Fruit Rubicon. Yeah, no, Rubicon itself is like, it's... it's 10, 10. Yeah, but... But you, not after you the sugar tax, though. Oh, it did change. Yeah, now it? you have to get like... the deluxe one, which is the regular one. The old regular one, but they've now marketed it as deluxe, which is just basically regular sugar. Ugh. See, I haven't even looked into that properly, but I just know, like, mango... If if you manage to get hands on some, like, mango-flavoured vodka... Oh, yeah, well, you wouldn't do that anyway. Yeah, I don't but, drink, like, love. But, like, literally, <laughs> like, those of you drinkers that are out there, mango-flavoured vodka with Rubicon, it hits different. Like, just there's a tip for you but nah i just think mango is just better in general even like before i even like started drinking and like mm. anything enjoying itself i literally when i was like in year nine i was there like just with my mango rubicon like i mean that is such it's an ethnic inheritance isn't it yeah. like i didn't choose the mango life the mango life really chose me you know <laughs> yeah it's one of my favorite i love mango no that's, that's part of the reason why i call it mango masala yeah, exactly <laughs> I just look every like when is it like April to June when it's um, mango ma- season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember there was one. What's your fave yeah. mango though? Obviously Alfonso. Like, oh really? Could, okay, what yeah. do you mean? Oh really? Like, no, I do. I love Alfonso, but I also love like Kisser mango. Yeah. Honey mango. There are, but nothing comes. It's cause like that that chunk of time when like Alfonso mangoes are actually available, yeah. and it's just like, uh, and I remember there was one year I think like 2014 where like there was like. A reason why they couldn't bring them over no i do remember yeah, that i do I know, remember I that like, oh, no <laughs> it was the worst news ever but yeah guys i've got a challenge for you try find any diaspora poetry without making reference that hasn't made reference to mango <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, we probably played right into the hands by calling it mango myself I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. lie, but, oh well oh well we're here um also we had the t-shade um vote which Obviously, I can't really, like, show you that because we're on radio. But it was number six, which is basically, like, how would you describe <clears throat> it? Like, I don't medi- drink tea. medium brown? Sorry, love. I know. Okay, we're, we're going <laughs> off it, guys. <laughs> what you... I just don't drink tea. Like, it's just it's just not my portion. What, what do you drink? Mango Rubicon, that's it. Um... Yeah, I'm not really like a drinks fan, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, that's put a massive down. Ruined my day. Guys, he's pulling gum fingers oh. at me, he's threatening me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand people that don't drink tea. I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> no, I know. I'm Bengali. I'm South Asian. I don't. I'm even British Bangladeshi. Yeah. I know. I don't drink tea. Sorry, guys. Not going to change, though. Ugh. It's just don't taste good. Now, you know what? I'm going to be quiet. Sorry. You know what? <laughs> well, you can't taste stuff anymore anyway. No, so, you know true, what? That's true. That's, that's why true. you got COVID because oh. your taste buds were being wasted on you. <laughs> Clearly, you didn't like tea. That's so, now true. you can't taste anymore. That's your punishment. My life is joyless. Oh. Can't taste. Is it like, has it not come back at all? Like... Well, I'm, sl- I'm slowly, slowly starting to be able to smell things that are like. Like for for example, the other day I was eating a scone and like put it right under my nose and gave it a big sniff and I could smell a little bit, like I smell like butter. But that's so scones aren't even like that. Um, pungent. Pungent, yeah. So like <laughs> with some like blue cheese or something, they're like yeah, but like a scone, like what? no, that I just tried, like that I just tried, like it was just an example that I tried. But um, slowly, slowly, but no, nah, it's more like 
I could just, I've kind of gotten, because it's been like over a month now. So I've kind of gotten used to like being able to taste food through textures. You get mm. what I mean? But life is very joyless. Honestly, it's very, very joyless. Yeah. Well, I would say I'm sorry about that, but then you don't <laughs> like tea, so, you know. You took that so personally. Yeah, I do. Like, it's going to take me a while to go over that. But <laughs> moving on, um, the final point which we had was we did that, that TikTok that had gone viral of um, this girl that was basically pointing out double standards in the um, Asian community and basically we did a vote whether people think that those double standards exist and it was a hundred percent yes so obviously there's a lot to unpack there and i think we'll probably dedicate a whole episode to that in the future mm-hmm. but yeah um i think the fact that that was a hundred percent yes these double standards do exist speaks for itself um and going off tiktok we're actually gonna pay, play a bit of music now now i don't actually i try to keep off tiktok as much as possible because i just i'm just like pushing it away as much as possible like it stresses me out why what's your beef of tiktok it's constantly like it, it just comes up you know what i mean like at least vine was a bit like contained like you could yeah. scroll through, whereas tiktok it's so chaotic yeah it's so hectic. but maybe that's like, why i like it yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense for you. Like, I saw that in when you posted on your Instagram of your sisters acting like you, and I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, that's so but, funny. but yeah, going off TikTok, that's, I, I don't know, I didn't know this until I looked it up, and then I listened to it, and I was like, they, I think it was you and Ben really want me to play this on radio. <laughs> what, what was it? Indian from the South. Oh, it's a tune. Honestly, the amount of like um, remixes, like, so they go, they're called TikTok sounds, mm-hmm. um, and they become viral and like, tiktok but then they you know tick bro tiktok is powerful let me talk let me talk to you listen listen you see megan the stallion yeah? yeah obviously she's very talented in her own right like she was doing really well in her own right but the way she was doing bits in the charts it's because yeah. of tiktok yeah because of savage and yeah exactly because her because when something breaks tiktok yeah if you've got a song and it's broken tiktok you're, you're sorted you're sorted well, on that note, I apologise for those of you who are expecting a bit more top quality. Um, Excuse me, it's a great, it's a great remix. Honestly, some of the remixes that they, that they come out with on TikTok slap. It's no, I think it, it's it's great. The only mm-hmm. thing I'm just like is the Google Translate bit. Where I'm just like, oh, well, to be fair, you know what? I can't lie. I haven't heard. I haven't heard the whole song. I just heard like the the bit that, that... right. So getting into our main topic of today. Um, so this stems from a bit of a, like a debate that she started when we were having our um, unwittingly yeah like <laughs> on our um, meeting um our mango masala meeting and basically it stems off the book um why i'm no longer talking to white people about race mm-hmm. um is a great book you should go and read that if mm-hmm. you have not because there are a lot of, yeah definitely go support her as well because she is an amazing writer mm-hmm. um Put it literally because I, f- I find it really hard to read sometimes because I, f- <laughs> I find <Same>. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. The MA student, like, yeah, Bro, I, really I can't do read. it. I can't do it. But yeah, so like, it's really um easy to digest. Like, I was really worried because like, I really wanted to read it because I knew what it was about and I knew I wanted to like understand mm-hmm. all the information in there and take it in. But I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to maintain my attention span or find it a bit too 
um, wordy, but like mm-hmm. honestly, it was it's so easy. Yeah, it's it's there's no excuse. That's mm. basically it. Like, so definitely go and give that a read if you haven't already. But like the title of the book suggests, the main mm. premise of it is basically the author is fed up of having to explain issues relating to race to um her white friends and associates so she's saying no i'm i'm not <coughs> going to do that anymore mm-hmm. um and she gives her reasoning for it kind of backs it up quite significantly mm-hmm. um and this is where this like debate sort of comes into play which is how right is that so should we talk to um <coughs> right should we talk not right people should we talk to white people about race and if we do then how much um should we talk to them like is is there like a middle ground that we can sort of fight fine so originally i was gonna um let halima and ben just kind of like go at it like this and just like start like a bit of like a debate but unfortunately ben is not with us today so I'm going to have to play a bit of like devil's advocate here and like basically take Ben's space and basically just like try, it'd be good practice. I'm going to try and find holes in your argument and stuff. Aye, 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 yeah. aye, aye. So in the spirit of debate and battles. Have you got some special sound? I have got some special sounds. Thank you for asking. Wow! You're coming on crud! You are coming on crud, Carlos! Is this Rocky? You know this is fighting music! And in the red corner, we have Halima, who is going to argue that we should not talk to white people about race. And in the blue corner, we have Gerns, who's gonna, like, just play devil's advocate and just, <laughs> just have a bit of fun, really. Like, that's the way it is. I hope you enjoyed that um, little interlude, and I hope that's given you, Halima, a bit of time to pull your thoughts together. So I'm gonna It's go... giving me fire in my belly, that's what it's given. <laughs> You've just provoked me. That was very oh, provocative. No. Shots fired. Right. So on that note, Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So, Halima, why do you think that mm-hmm. we should not talk to white people about race? So, I, I, um, my stance is, <clears throat> I actually came to this kind of like position through various kind of like life experiences. So, I went to, um, the sixth form that I went to was like predominantly white. There was literally like a handful of people. It was very small, so we were the first year. Um, there was only a handful of people that were non-white. Um. And I would have these conversations with my white peers very often about race and um, particularly this this trying to explain to them that there is no such thing as reverse racism. Um, and everyone would just, it was literally just me mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone on the entire sixth form. Like no one understood, no one got it. And I would explain, like really, really be patient and gracious and try to explain it in many ways. I mean, okay, maybe not as gracious. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was but, like, mm, can I patient. imagine you holding your tongue? Like, nope. Definitely patient though, definitely yeah. patient. And then it got to a point where I was like, what is the point? Because there is, first of all, there's no kind of like learned understanding of race theory. Second of all, there is no lived experience of the things that I'm talking about 
we will have this conversation and for you it's in theory like you are speaking entirely from a point of abstraction we'll have this conversation with and then i will leave the room and continue to live everything that we've spoken about you will leave the room and leave everything that was said in these four walls the the stakes are completely different our positionalities are completely different um and for me it was just exasperation at that point and i was like no nah, i can't be bothered anymore um and then the older i've gotten and the the, the more i've learned um especially kind of I would say in recent years, the internet and particularly social media have become more and more accessible in terms of like race theory and stuff. I just think there's, there's, is, there is just no excuse now. I understand, it's not that I don't understand the argument of, of having constructive um, conversations because I do, <clears throat> from how I see it, I understand that everyone is brought up in a certain epistemology. Like everybody is brought up with a certain worldview. If you are, for example, a working class white person from a predominantly white area and the media and the and you know is telling you that your destitution is not a result of government failure but because ethnic minorities and immigrants are taking up your resources and you don't know any better i understand why you would then believe that um but it's then it's it, but it, there's just the threat of violence from that ignorance is very very material you know, it's not just, uh, oh, I don't know any better, but it's a benign kind of ignorance. It's a very, very violent ignorance. Um, and I think at this point now, bro, the internet is free. Like, Google is free. I will teach you, but also I will, I will then invoice you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just my stance at the minute. So just to clear things up, are you saying that... <clears throat> Like I can, so that you're coming from a place where you originally have spoken to white people about race, yep. and have it's basically just it's come exhausting for you, and you're just like mm -hmm. you're just kind of done with it. Mm -hmm. Do you think when you're saying that mm -hmm. you don't talk to white people about race, is it just that you don't have as much patience, or think... or is it that you literally? point blank refuse at this point i think it's it's it's, it's both my my stance is both um ideological and from a point of lived experience ideologically i don't i don't agree with it um because i like i said before i don't believe that um white people who are ignorant to matters on race cannot learn in other ways i don't believe that i need to sit here because we have to understand like to ask a non-white person to ask like you know a, a racialized person to talk to you about race there's a lot of racial trauma in that conversation this is what i mean when i say the stakes are high like i will be sat here like recounting to you racism islamophobia etc and for you it's all in theory there's no emotional there's no personal stake in anything i'm saying so first of all there is racial trauma that's being um uh induced here um so ideologically i just don't agree with that and then secondly yeah through lived experience because i've I've done it and i've understood that more time more often than not it just falls on deaf ears How, having said that i don't want to make it out that i'm just completely completely like, i think it, you know what it is i think it all comes down to personal discretion um and personal prerogative as well because there have been times where for example i have spoken to my my friends my white friends about um race in situations where it was something that was they were just completely completely ignorant on and it, and, and it was a benign ignorance um and 
I know that they'd entered those discussions on good faith. I spoke, they listened, they took it on board and that was the end of it. Whereas, and and those were, those were, those only happened because obviously like, bro, if you're my friend, you're going to be a good person in it. So like I knew they were going to listen and like, un, and not uh, argue against what I was saying. Whereas in other situations, like it's not that you're going to be having these conversations with your friends. You know, if we're talking about the wider public, there's no guarantee that people will engage in these discussions in good faith. And, and more often than not, they're engaging in bad faith because people, this is the mad thing, yeah. Like, bare white people think they know. They think they know. And it's like, who taught you? Like, where did you, where are you getting your information from? Mm. And and they, they do a lot of, they do these things, yeah, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play devil's advocate here. Mm. Um, Not taking a shot at you because you're actually, you're representing yeah. like Ben's side, but, People, people will do this whole thing of like, oh, I'm playing the devil's advocate. Like, excuse me, can we stop for a minute and deep what it means to play devil's advocate? Is it in your boy? <laughs> like, is it in your boy for you to be playing devil's advocate? Deep what you're saying here. So I don't know. I just don't. You can learn elsewhere. I'm sorry. Like, it's just so prolific. You know, there's so many different platforms, social media, especially especially since summer. You know, the recent wave of BLM protests. Mm. The, like, the Insta is full of infographics, which I mean, it's a different conversation in itself, but like, it's there. Um, there are people are getting book deals to write about it. There's lectures online. There's so many things that you can learn from. You don't need to go to the um, non-white people in your personal life and ask them to recount racial trauma for you to learn. It's just mm -hmm. not my portion. Yeah, because you kind of touched on my next question, which was going to be, so are you saying that no people of colour should speak to white people about race, or are you saying that's just personal preference, it yep. depends on the person, mm -hmm. um, it's completely up to them as to mm -hmm. um, what they decide, so like just to, just to clarify, like what is your stance on that? I would say like objectively, there's no obligation. There is never any obligation. And that is like my objective stance. Like you do not have to, you do not need to. It's not a duty. It's not a responsibility. However, if you as a person, as an individual with individual agency, see that there is worth in it. Um, you have the patience, you have the grace because Lord knows that I do not. Um, that's your prerogative. It's your prerogative. And it's not that I don't see the value in it. I understand. Like I've seen in my own personal life, you know, instances where I've had certain conversations and um, people have been enlightened. But again, I've always entered those conversations knowing that this person is entering in good faith. They will listen to everything I have to say. They are entering with humility. They're not going to try and... Um, often, often I feel like... And this is not even just in my personal life as well. Like especially in media, you know, when they have you know, talk shows and um, question time and things like that. And they talk about politics. You just know that there are certain like, like white people that go on just to be purposely antagonistic, mm -hmm. you know? And even that is just such a, a privilege in itself that you could go on and just look at this through the eyes of pure theory. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely it's down to personal progress, I would say. Ugh, right so now i've got to try and like think of like this is literally this is why i wasn't in debate school a debate club in school guys like ugh. so let me just check whether I'll, i mean like okay so i could talk a little bit more yeah. <laughs> about the other side now oh, i could talk a little bit more like if, if you want me to talk i could talk <laughs> like, believe me i don't think you have any problem talking um <laughs> i mean i could talk about the other side because I, so i had yeah, i had so, a very uh, interesting sorry go sorry, you have a debate with yourself go go for it <laughs> very interesting discussion with my friend like a few months ago who i mean this is this is not particularly pertaining to, well no it is pertaining to race but we were talking okay so we're both 
um, like Marxist, right? Um, right? So you want to define people that might not know what that means. Like, not that you have to explain it to them. <laughs> Communism! <laughs> Summary, we believe yeah. in the death and the destitution of capitalism, basically. You're just to reiterate, we are not promo- we're not promoting that. This is just people's personal views. Oh, yeah, views, <laughs> yeah. Are views are my own. The views are my own. My own views. Um, but yeah, so... So we're both socialists, basically. Right, um, yeah. And we... We were having a discussion about the global socialist movement, basically, and... <clears throat> For, and the racial elements of that you know um so for example class i mean we know in in kind of like marxism there's the two classes the proletariats and the bourgeoisie right? right and the bourgeoisie the ruling class they control i mean they're the ones with capital they're the ones in control and then the proletariats the working class um and they're obviously you cannot talk about class without talking about race same way you cannot talk about race without talking about class and we were talking about how to um awaken like a global sort of class consciousness and and the intersect of race and the collaboration between various racial demographics is necessary in a global socialist movement right because it's it's class it's class solidarity that we're talking about here and my and we were kind of talking about the contention between um ideological purity and pragmatism and I fall more on the side of ideological purity, whereas I don't, I think at the end of the day, all I have are my principles. Um, and I'm very, very kind of like stringent in what I believe and making certain leniencies and allowances. Whereas my friend is a lot more pragmatic in her kind of approach. And she thinks that whether we want to or we don't want to, we will have to collaborate with the white working class, um, you know, to, to, to gain momentum in, in the, you know, global socialist movement. And in doing so, we're going to have to have conversations and we're going to have to get them on board, etc., etc. So I understand that there is a wider kind of political implication at play here but i still don't necessarily agree (laughs) i still don't i think i mean this is a little bit unfair because she's not here to kind of like defend her side and and she she her argument is just as uh, substantial as what i'm saying i think they're both very very valid valid uh positions to take just from my side personally is that i think first of all we center the west a lot in in kind of these conversations com- like you know when we talk about like liberation politics and liberation theory we censor the west a lot and we we give the onus oh it, god it's just so complicated isn't it who's yeah. the onus on who is the onus on let's talk about that anti-racist like duty the anti-racism activism who is the onus on like is the onus on white people to relinquish their power or is the onus on racial minorities to seize power yeah, this is like one of the one of the things that I did actually like think, which is kind of where I am a bit torn between the two because when you and Ben were originally having this sort of like debate, I I'm definitely more leaning towards your side in that I think that it shouldn't be it's definitely not an obligation mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be it they, like <clears throat> if you're already going through trauma, mm-hmm. it should the additional weight of having to explain that trauma and. Mm-hmm. To, to people who are not them necessarily personally, but them in terms of the demographic are actually submitting you to that trauma. Yep, like 100%. you, like it's, it's just a lot. And it's like, that shouldn't, that weight shouldn't fall on your shoulders at the same time. Obviously at the same time, obviously we wouldn't be where we are today 
in terms of like we, we're definitely we're nowhere near like racial class equality no, etc nowhere near. near but certainly things have improved in some respects compared to like a lot of conversations 50, 50 are being years had. ago yeah but it's like we wouldn't be where we are today without people uprising and without people like right. pushing but at the same time we wouldn't be where we are today without people explaining like or putting their views forward so it's just sort of a bit like whilst i agree that like it shouldn't be an obligation i am like i'm i think yeah yeah, i think it's more complicated like yeah it's 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 so complicated it's like a like a jigsaw puzzle but it's like all the pieces are like sort of like different really different shapes (laughs) and it's sort of like you have to kind of like Uh find a way for it to all fit together Mm -hmm because i don't know i think for me the thing that radicalized me in my position now was um christ church so for those of you that aren't aware the um massacre that happened in new zealand mosque Mm. um a few years ago i can't remember the exact year maybe 20 i can't remember when it was sorry it was around this time wasn't like christmas eve wasn't it i think it was maybe 2018 i think it might have been 2018 um, I don't have internet. I don't know why I'm going on my computer. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that that check. that really, really was what kind of. I mean, I told you, I, like from from sick from when I was having this conversation, I was and I was kind of understanding the racial dynamics at play. I was on this journey, and then Christchurch happened, and that was. I remember I wrote a Facebook post. I was I was fuming. Obviously, I mean, I was hurt. I was devastated. I was heartbroken. I was hurting. I was in pain. I was angry as well, though, because. Um, it was a white supremacist. He wrote a 10,000 word document about touting his white supremacist ideals and 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 basically what it was that that led him to go into a church and open fire and kill numerous people and, and maim, you know, many more people. And at that point, I realized like Islamophobia, bro, it's so violent and it's so globally pervasive, yeah? Mm. And I deeped like, I've, I was five when 9-11 happened. I've lived with Islamophobia my entire life. And I've been having conversations with people trying to show them what Islam really is and what Islam is really about. And and essentially what, what you're doing when you're having these conversations is an attempt to humanize yourself in the eyes of somebody who, in virtue of having this conversation, in virtue of putting you in that position, does not see you as wholly human in the first place or sees you as other or sees you to some extent as belonging to an enemy group, right? Mm. I know the way that I'm talking about is very extreme, but if you're a Muslim, you'll know exactly what I mean. Mm. You'll know exactly what I mean. Um, it, it's combative, you know what I mean? Like these these engagements are combative from their in, very inception and Christ just happened and I, and I and I wrote a Facebook status and I said I've done this long enough and now it's got to the point where if anybody ever puts me in a position where I have to advocate and argue for the dignity and the sanctity of Muslim lives I, listen it's not my mouth that will be doing the talking mm. I would like to continue and say what I wrote but I don't think I could say it on air like beep 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 <laughs> you know yeah and that was the point at which where i was really like it's it's not even a game like really there's real lives at stake here you know mm-hmm. I'm, th- I'm thinking about what you're just saying and trying to think about how i can like take that on like or pr- ask you to like so this is the thing because i feel like when i'm like kind of like trying to find points to combat you i feel like i'm almost like doing what you're saying you don't want to do no, which I, is, like, no I understand like... your position it's it's not I understand your position is it's um we have to we we're literally doing this debate, on it like yeah. like this is a yeah, debate yeah yeah. yeah 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 but it was just thinking obviously what happened in Christchurch 
Christ Church is was horrendous and I looked at it, it was it was March twenty nineteen, so oh, like nearly okay. two years ago now. Um <clears throat> I was just thinking obviously that is awful mm-hmm. and it was it could have been avoided because he wrote that document, didn't he? Like if mm-hmm. people had the amount of like tales that mm-hmm. the like national security has on like brown people that they think are going to go and blow up somewhere compared to white supremacists that then go and do that Mm -hmm. um ridiculous Mm -hmm. but what would you say to people that would argue what about the like little like microaggressions type thing so like obviously there are things that racism in itself is like such a it they is, you'd like, think, yeah. yeah and like i'm sure there's like so many different aspects to it and it exists it it, it the, it's so toxic because it appears it's it, it's literally ingrained in society and there's yep. so many different mm-hmm. elements to it and obviously there is there are more severe elements than others so elements such as microaggressions like and this is like not me like belittling any form of racism. This is just me saying, obviously, this is different to people getting killed yeah, because yeah, of their. Yeah, I mean, we like, can see it as it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. like it is. But like, so what would you say to people that said, "Is it not? Oh, is it not okay to like kind of explain those like microaggressions? Like, how yeah. how are people like you know when you're saying like benign ignorance? How yeah, are people yeah, yeah. meant to know if they don't <laughs> know? And like, because like. At the same, whilst like Google is free, mm-hmm. I think I don't. I mean, Some things are just very um like intrinsic, like insidious. You know, like you don't yeah, really and, notice. And it's like we can't expect people to literally like spend twenty four hours a day googling like yeah. how to be the perfect person, yeah, like yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what would you say to people that would counteract the argument for not talking to white people about race at all with but but there are there are some circumstances in which it might be appropriate i'd say again personal prerogative if you feel like you've got first and foremost i always say that it's the 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 victim is like the racialized person right the the victim of the microaggression but like you have to put your own mental and emotional well-being first if you feel like you're in a position where somebody is displaying microaggressions towards you and you just and um you don't have the emotional kind of capacity the mental capacity to withstand it at that moment obviously just you you don't have to explain you don't have to do anything you can just you you know you can just allow it whereas um if you feel like again it's that thing of is this person is it coming from a place of um you know like just uh, like this benign ignorance and do you have faith that if you um gauge this conversation that they will listen and respect what you're saying um then yeah totally like go ahead and this is what i was saying about when i was speaking to my friends it was more so these things it wasn't like a it was not like a very a, a very fundamental thing where you're arguing for the dignity of like somebody's life it was it was very smaller intrinsic things that they would not even realize that were racist for example because they're so ingrained in society Mm. so you'd probably say that it is down against personal prerogative and but things like that is is more so just kind of like correcting them it's it's more in correcting them in terms of like it's just a social machination do you know what i mean whereas what's a machination uh, it's just it's just like a, a, a these things are just kind of like social happenings, like everyday social happenings. You know, like if somebody made a joke about, oh, you eat curry every day, it's not a direct attack on the dignity of who I am. Whereas if somebody was like, you're all terrorists, that's a very different thing, you know? So the yeah. stakes the stakes straight away are very different. Yeah. 
So it's up to the person, the victim, to, um, I would say, gauge the stakes. Yeah, and make decide for themselves. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that kind of does prove that it is up to the person mm-hmm. themselves to mm-hmm. assess the situation. <clears throat> yeah, because okay, you're dealing with such, a, like, with, like we keep on saying, like this toxic thing that is ingrained within society. Um, as a result, of, like it was always going to be, we come from a society that was built on racism. Yep. Obviously, it's going to drip down. Yep. And that, that means that there's so many different layers to it, which means there is no one way to deal with yeah, it. Yeah. Like, it, it's not it's not black and white. Like, it's, well, sometimes it is. Cause it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the, the situations can be extreme, you know? And, and yeah. it's like, you know, the example that I gave for, you know, for example, um, the, en- the, the, the energy that I perceive that is required to correct someone when they say you eat curry every day, I perceive that to be it's not a lot of energy, it's not particularly you know racial trauma or anything it's okay for me to correct them somebody else might think that correcting a more serious uh racial allegation or you know antagonism as requiring that same amount of energy you know for someone else like they just might have me personally as a person as well i'm just not very patient mm. i'm a little bit on crud so yeah <laughs> well, then that, that's, that's like... just my natural inclination you know yeah but then it's like there's no ob- <laughs> Like, even if you take race out of it, yeah. if there was another issue which was bothering you, which could potentially, like, even if it wasn't going to affect you, even if it wasn't going to put your life at risk, uh-huh. if it's an issue that's bothering you, you're under no obligation to have to deal with that. And, no, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you're not, like, it, it, it's not, like, you might be perceived as being a bit, mm-hmm. like, harsh or a bit cold or whatever, but then it's, mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, like sometimes like and this is coming from me as well like people who know me will know i'm a very like typically nice person and like i spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think like kind of like spend my a lot of my day like trying to like make other people feel happy yeah but i know and i've been kind of owning this a bit more in the past few years that like there's no obligation for me to do that and you can be you can like put your own feelings first without being like mean to someone yeah, you know what i mean like the, the two aren't like mutually yeah yeah and it's what i said before it's about in, in in those situations you have to gauge for yourself like is my emotional and mental well-being at um is it being like threatened here you know do i have the capacity to withstand this sure and also like these conversations um obviously i know we're talking from our own positionalities as like racialized beings ha- you know having conversations with white people yeah. um i think positionality is is very very key here like because in this situation where victims um i don't believe that we need to we need to be the one to explain and it's white people that should be picking up the slack like in their own communities um and it's a bit of a tangent but like then other forms of uh racial discrimination that now we're the perpetrators of so for example like anti-blackness in the south asian community i think that's a duty for all all of us I, we don't get to decide then you know mm. in terms of like white people where, when we're the victim we get to decide and when we're the perpetrators we don't get to decide and mm-hmm. I think you can apply that like in any situation. Sure. No, that, I think that makes perfect sense. Right. So we're just going to do a bit of a recap on what we were talking about before. For those of you that might not have been tuned in, we were talking about how much, if at all, should we talk to white people about race? Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that ha- don't know the book, um, there is a book out there, um, Why I Am No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Um, both me and Halima both read it. It's very <coughs> easy to digest. Um, 
It's a lot of important stuff in there. And I would thoroughly recommend you going and purchasing it. It's like probably under a tenner. Like how often do you buy books? Like let's be honest in this day and age, like it's, well, I know you're an MA student, but like it's No, I don't read. No, you need to believe me when I tell you I do not read. All right. Cambridge student here, guys. Like. No, 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 no. I do. I can't. I don't know how to stress to you. I even did an English degree at undergrad, and I read maybe like three books in the entire three years. Uh, Spark notes, man. Wow. <laughs> wow. And what did you end up getting? Don't worry about it. No, don't worry. Okay, okay, we'll leave it. But no, like, definitely go and read that book because it has so much important information definitely. in it. And it's all relating to Britain as well, which I think like yeah. a lot of texts are mm-hmm. very um, US centered, mm-hmm. like literally like in history lessons in school, just learn about Martin Luther King, which obviously <coughs> is important. But then it's like you don't know about the history of race in Britain. You see, sorry, 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 go on. Go on. No, OK, well, <laughs> you know, we're talking about this whole thing about like talking to white people about race. Obviously, in this this whole time, I've been thinking about British people and I feel I feel like almost the conversation is more exhausting with white british people than it might be with like white americans because the way that that race kind of conversations about race play out in this country because at least in america and particularly in the past four years they've been racist with their chest mm. whereas this country they really believe that they're not racist yeah. like you know what's mad right you see this thing the thing that was happening with like mega marco you know megxit and all yeah. that kind of stuff and obviously we know that she was getting the hate that she was getting because she's like a she's a black woman um there was literal illustrations of her child as a, as as a, as a primate. Do you know yeah. how violent that is? Yeah. But then people. So instead for us to be talking about the nuances of race and what's going on, people, you know what the debate that they was having is Britain racist. Mm-hmm. That's the debate they was having. Instead of instead of talking about like how do we move past racism, how do we abolish it, they're talking about is Britain racist. Mm. People are deluded. And this is like the problem when it's what you're linking linked to what you were saying before when you're mm-hmm. saying once it becomes up for debate, yes. it's it actually it diminishes mm-hmm. the actual uh, the way the itself. gravity of what we're talking like, about. I, I remember um what was it? I think it was during the twenty nineteen election, which mm-hmm. also coincided with we left <clears throat> the European Union. January 2020. Oh, that is so triggering. That election is so triggering. Oh, my God. It was like sometime around then, I remember um, I was at my girlfriend's house and like Loose Women was just on. And like, I just like kind of like listened to it in the background. Like, and I'm just kind of just like, nah like mm-hmm. why why are you debating this mm-hmm, like why mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. is this like a talk topic well, like questioning exactly. do, like so like does racism exist exactly like, exactly and and that's what i mean like it just makes the con and that is what the major a lot of british people are like and it makes already from the beginning the conversation so exhausting especially if we're talking about having these conversations with people who are not in your immediate circle so there's no kind of like vetting process you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. Like British racism is just very, is and 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 it's so funny because like we love to point to America, you know. Mm. Like white British people love to point to America and be like, oh well, at least we're not American. My guy, who do you think America learned from? <laughs> Where do you think America came from? <laughs> uh. And it's it, that's why it's so much more insidious. Because first of all, not only do you have to convince them that yo, I'm I'm human, I'm an equal human, you have to convince them there's a problem of racism in the first place. Mm. Yeah, it is like you're saying because in America, obviously, it, it it's not better because it definitely is a lot more. It's 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 right there for you to see. It's definitely it's a lot more extreme. I would say like there is a lot more 
Like, for example, I don't think you could go anywhere in Britain where you would... I don't know. I, I'm a bit reluctant to say this because, like, the, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a, it's a lot more likely you would go somewhere in America where your literal life would be at, at stake yeah, yeah, ju- yeah. just for being there. Yeah. I feel like that, and I think that, that does apply in Britain, but not yeah. to the same extent. And I think it doesn't apply in Britain because our police don't carry guns. I feel like if our mm. police carried guns, it would be a different story entirely. But, I mean, at least we have yeah. that, you know. <laughs> uh, but in terms of... But even the whole, you know, like... I, I also used to kind of say this, like, oh, it's a lot more... I want to correct what I just said before when I said that it's a lot more insidious. In some ways, yes, like, that conversations, I guess, are, are are a lot more insidious. But, um, I mean, not really, though. Like, in a lot of ways, the violence is very present and the violence is very kind of like... For example, Donald Trump will talk about um, let's build a wall to keep him out. Theresa May will actually very quietly on a quiet Tuesday morning deport... 50 jamaicans without telling anybody you know yeah. like it's 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 there is is there the violence is there but and it's almost like because there is this idea that it doesn't exist that acts as almost like a, a ghost layer in front of what's actually happening right which prevents it from actually being recognized and called out mm-hmm. and automatically our first debate is <clears throat> does the racism actually exist instead of how are we going to actually right. deal with exactly, it exactly exactly so how in light of what we've just said because it's kind of gone on a bit of tangent there like how do you think that relates to this idea of why you personally don't feel like you would talk to white people about race um so it's as i said as i was just saying now like it, it depends if i'm in a situation where somebody is first of all even trying to debate the existence of racism Lock off. Mm. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not having this conversation with you. Um, if it's and 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 I think it depends on like the extremity of the topics that are being discussed as well. You know, when it's um, something that is kind of more questioning, as I, as I keep saying, like the dignity, like that's because that, essentially that is what racism and forms of discrimination are. They're calling to question the dignity and the sanctity of somebody's human life right so if it's a situation where it's more extreme and and i feel like the dignity of my my existence is being questioned here i'm not doing it there's just no way it's not my portion whereas if it's smaller like microaggressions and stuff like that and i understand that somebody will engage in good faith then in that situation you know okay i might yeah maybe depend depend on depends on like how i'm feeling that day but having said that i do understand um the the value of these conversations especially in the context of building like a global socialist movement which is truly the only thing that will ever eradicate racism anyway um in terms of building like class consciousness and class solidarity i do think i do see the value it has but also like that certain people are certain suited for certain roles in it like me that's just not my disposition to be patient and gracious yeah and at the end of the day if you're the only person of color that they're actually engaging with i think that kind of speaks for itself like why 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 Mm -hmm. are you not like just because you live in a predominantly white area it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you shouldn't go and educate yourself on the rest of Mm -hmm. not even the rest of the world like your country your town like literally like stop being (laughs) so self-centered and stop Mm -hmm. thinking about Mm -hmm. only yourself like the world exists the society exists beyond these four walls like 
things shouldn't just because of your, your worldview is just so restricted yeah and, and like if you if you are choosing not to engage with that you are choosing to be ignorant You're yeah it's a willful selfish. ignorance yeah. exactly and that's the point the point at which somebody a white person will come to me and say to me oh can you explain this this and this at that point that that means they've ignored like everything on social media they've ignored google the internet they've ignored all the books and and kind of papers and articles that are out there it's willful yeah. It's willful. Why am I your first port of call? Yeah. And it's like you're happy to like, it's like with them learning people's names, it's like you're happy to learn like all these like Game of Thrones, Lord of Rings, all this <laughs> yeah. like Harry Potter, like how everything works mm-hmm. and everything, like all mm-hmm. these complicated plots. Yeah. Yet you're not willing to actually learn yeah. real life stuff and real life that's so important. Mm-hmm. Like literally the whole, like just taking Harry Potter, for example, the whole story is about like literally the oppression of mudbloods and like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like, like, Muggleborn, like I'm literally going into Harry Potter stuff now, but like the whole no, thing I, is like I love Harry Potter. Yeah, we no, could, no, we no, could do this. Yeah, we could no, have this convo. Like it's like the whole story revolves around oppression. Yeah, you're telling me that you can like read these seven books, watch these seven films, which revolve around this idea of this tyrant and this yep. this idea of suppressing yeah. this race, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not actually believe that such exists in, in real, real life, life exactly that, like, you see the cognitive dissonance you see the privilege yeah. you see the privilege yeah and this this whole book came from someone who is saying very questionable yeah, things right yeah, now yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. so that proves if she can get it mm-hmm, you can get it mm-hmm, too mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah so that sort of rounds off our discussion <laughs> on how much if at all we should talk to white people about race i think the main conclusion we've come to is that it's completely up to you you do you you do what you want it doesn't have to be black or white Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you feel like you can't be bothered that that's fine like there's no obligation on you at all right so obviously we talked a bit about harry potter (laughs) before um and we were thinking what can we do as a little bit of a fun quiz between (laughs) the two of us and we thought Let's have a look at BuzzFeed and we found a quiz that says, what is your Hogwarts house percentage? Now we've both done our like, you've done those in Pottermore, Pottermore, right? yeah. yeah. So we're both like <laughs> Harry Potter fans, even though we don't, con- we don't condone um, anything JK that JK Rowling, Rowling has said. Yeah. No, but still you can, it's, it's like, can you enjoy the music without oh, separating the like, art from yeah. the artist? Oh, my days. I, this, I keep having to have this conversation recently because everyone that I love is just disappointing me. Yeah. But we've both done uh, tests and I apparently am Hufflepuff, though. I'll contest that. Like, wh- whatever. <laughs> everyone wants to be Gryffindor, but not everyone is Gryffindor. I'm yeah, sorry. But it's like, if you think that you want to be... G- P- Peter Pettigrew is Gryffindor. Are you telling me that Peter Pe- Pettigrew is more Gryffindor, <laughs> more Gryffindor than, than you? Like, I'm sorry, but why do you want to be Gryffindor anyway? Like, Okay, so basically, guys, I'm a Slytherin. <laughs> And it's funny because while we were off air um, and we were talking about this, I said to Carlos, like, guess what house I'm in? And he said, Slytherin. And bearing in mind, this is the first time I've met Carlos. And I was just saying that, like, everybody in my life, whether they know me or they've just met me, whatever capacity they know me, whenever I tell them to guess, they always guess Slytherin. Yeah, I wonder why. At least my brand... Listen, my brand is nothing if not strong. Yeah, this is the thing, like, you kind of have to... I don't know, because I feel like the... The films especially kind of give off that Slytherin is like such like a bad... And they're not. What did Harry tell his son when he said, oh, what if I get someone into Slytherin? Have you read or seen Cursed Child? No, I haven't, but I do want... I really, really want to go watch it when the pandemic is over. I actually managed to go see it with my friends. Oh, we go a bit wayward. The child. Yeah, it's 
it's quite good actually yeah really but but yeah that kind of proves that like slytherin isn't all okay i'm sorry but i don't think there's anything wrong with it i don't think there's anything wrong with being bad right on that note <laughs> let's do this quiz and find out what buzzfeed shall i get says. up on my phone as well yeah t- tell you what i'll do the link and we can like do the questions together you know i feel like slytherin and gryffindor are more similar than they are different yeah i would agree on that but that's you know what that's really like uh, i'm just gonna start talking about politics now yeah. I, was, I was gonna talk about like horseshoe theory and like the the far right and the far left how they're more similar than they're different it's the same thing really let's leave that for another day <laughs> right as always we've got our intense quiz music Ooh. right oh my god i did this like a week and a half ago my cousin made me do it i'll do um, it again yeah keep it keep don't tell us what i'm not gonna got. i'm not gonna tell you right so first question You've made it to Hogwarts, which means you've already bought a wand from Ollivander's. What material is at its core? Phoenix feather, dragon heart string, or unicorn hair? You're going to say your answer? Um, yeah, we should say like what we're going to do. I use. think, yeah. I can't remember. Oh my god, I don't know. I'm stuck between the phoenix and the dark dragon. What sounds more powerful to you? That's the one that I want. I, I'm going to go for phoenix. I, it... I want phoenix anyway. But what sounds more powerful? Well, Phoenix is the same as Harry and Voldemort, so that must be powerful. Scheme, Phoenix then. Yeah. <laughs> During the end of year exams, you notice one of your classmates was using an enchanted quill. You come top of the class anyway, but they're second. What do you do? Tell them the professor immediately cheating is wrong no matter what. Nothing, but if I hadn't come top of the class, I'd definitely tell on them. Encourage the other student to admit what they've just done to the professor, or give them a high five for managing to sneak the quill into the exam. High five. <laughs> uh, none of my business, none of my business. If you, if you want to cheat, you can cheat, love. I think there isn't really an option here for why I'm mine, so I'm going to say encourage the student to admit what they've done, because like, I don't condone cheating but at the same time i'm not going to be snitch like oh just do what you want to do no because that's not fair like if uh, so if someone else hasn't thought of if someone's listen if someone has cheated and you and you have a problem with that because you think it's not fair that you're slacking (laughs) why aren't you cheating as well then because i have morals but i don't believe it's morally morally wrong to cheat in an exam because what are exams anyway that's a whole other like yeah yeah exactly but but i'm still using that encourage one (laughs) right you would be most hurt if a person called you meek ignorant unkind or boring Uh, Um, unkind i think ignorant for me personally okay like i think i i get called boring all the time oh really <laughs> yeah. that's not nice it's not nice i don't think you are but also like unkind it's like i know i'm kind so like it's like whatever weak is like meh but ignorant is like if someone actually calls me ignorant then i'm gonna be i think i'd be upset that i'd done enough wrong for someone to think yeah. that, like, that that i didn't call myself out before uh-huh, that uh-huh. I, I, I think i'd be upset if someone called me unkind because um sometimes if i'm if i'm uh being a b word <laughs> yeah obviously i don't want to be but sometimes i might be so you're gonna choose so unkind, upset me. yeah then. unkind you're locked in a duel with a skilled opponent Let's pretend we're in this duel then. We're both skilled. So what spell are we um, shouting? Stupefy. Stupefy. You do expelling armor, wouldn't you? 
Nah, I do Protego, actually. Oh, really? Like, just black pie away. Okay. I'm glad you didn't choose Crucio. No, 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 no. That's, <laughs> too, that's too cool. Yeah, so just, sorry, the, the options there were Expelliarmus, Protego, Stupefying, Crucio. <laughs> um, I'm going for Protego, which is a defense spell, and you're going for Stupefy. Which stuns them, yeah. Literally, Harry. It's so funny though in the films because Harry is literally running around, people are dying around him, and he's just going, Stupefy! 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 I know! <laughs> I mean, it works! <laughs> it's so funny. Right, it's your fifth year at Hogwarts. You've just received a howler from your parents. So this is basically like a, a like a letter telling you off, basically. Mm. So what's it for? Sneaking into the forbidden forest at night on a dare, getting caught cheating on your divination owl, <laughs> being put in detention after you were caught in the library after hours, or nothing, I'd never do anything to warrant a howler. Mine's uh, sneaking into the forest after, on, on a night at oh. night. Honestly, mine's nothing. Like I don't, I don't do bad oh stuff. Oh my god! Sorry. Or if I did, I'd use my. You're such a Hufflepuff. <laughs> oh dear. Which of these Dumbledore quotations speaks to you? Pity the living, and above all, those who live without love. Words are, in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. It matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. Or it does not do. It does not do well to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Um, I'd say uh, pity the living and above all those who live without love. I'm a bit moist, you know. <laughs> uh, you know what's so funny? That final quote and the fact that Twilight, um, the person, Stephanie Mayer, yeah. came to her in a dream. Oh, That's yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, funny, yeah. Like, uh, um, we love white mediocrity. Yeah, we don't like Stephanie May because she didn't want to cast any people of colour in her films because yeah. vampires are meant to be pale, apparently. Yeah. But moving on, um, I don't know which quote. Um, I think I did the pay the living one as well. Mm. Which of these most accurately describes your relationship with your closest friends? I love surrounding myself with people. The more friends I have, the better. I have very cl- few close friends that I would trust with my life. Yeah, I tend to be wary around new people, so I don't make new friends often. Or I find myself becoming friends with people who can help me to succeed. <clears throat> few, few close friends that I trust with my life, I'd say. I think that's true for me, but then I, will, I think I also am very wary around new people. Okay. Yeah. So I'll probably choose that one. Which of your skills are you most proud of? My ability to absorb <laughs> new information, my ability to make new friends, the ability to get what I want. That's or me. The ability to <laughs> Literally, I'm reading this and I already know what Really? <laughs> yeah, want. definitely. My ability to get what yeah. I want. Um. Honestly, none of them are really me, so I'm just going to have to say my ability to absorb. It's either new information or secrets. Um, let's say new information. Okay. The first Quidditch match of the season is approaching and you can't wait to get involved. What role are you playing? Seeker, I want the glory. Chaser, I like to be involved and work as part of the team. Beater, I like having all that power. Or I'll be in the crowd making sure support and morale is high. Hmm, I'm stuck between glory and power. You know, I'm really not giving a very good impression of myself here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think honestly, I I don't think I'd be any good at sports even in the. I think I'll world. be I'll be seeker. Yeah, I'll be in the crowd. You're allowed to pet 
You're allowed a pet at Hogwarts, an owl, a cat, or a toad. Oh, a cat. Bring. Cat. cat. Well, we we, owl, we recently you, we recently got a cat. What? So you take it with you? Yeah. There. I've become recently very endeared towards cats, so I've got to, got to, to be a cat. fair. I'll agree with that. I, I I I'm allergic to both cats and dogs, but I've recently realised that I am a lot more of a cat person. Like just because they're so mm. much less like effort. They're less maintenance. Yeah, they're lower maintenance. They're they like, are clean. Like they're, they're yeah. so clean. Oh my god, they're the cleanest animals. I mean, they're probably not clean to be fair, but like you know you know what I mean. No, they're, they're actually no, they're dogs. actually the cleanest animals. That's what they say. That's what that's what they're known as. One of the cleanest animals. Yeah, I'm gonna choose owl though, regardless, because I want an owl to like set my post and stuff. That is kind of cool, but I'm gonna stick with cat. It's Saturday, you finish your homework and you have some free time. You decide to spend some time away from the common room. Where'd you go? Forbidden Forest, Library, Kitchen's room of requirement. I wanted to pick Forbidden Forest, yeah, but I'm actually thinking kitchen because if you think at home, yeah, kitchen is where like where where all your like families congregate and where you just bust joke. Like kitchen is actually the turn up, like this, that's where it goes down. It's where the house elves are. Do you know what I mean? They'll happily make you food as well. So yeah, so kitchen. But I think room of requirement. I quite like it. It's like kind of cool, and it's also like a bit of a, like a sanctuary. You know yeah, I mean? that's true. That's true. Right, I think we're gonna have to like speed through these now because we're getting to the end of the show. Right, what would you see in the mirror of Erized? Um, myself, surrounded by riches, surrounded by family and friends, knowledgeable above all, or experiencing a marvelous adventure. Think, family and friends. Yeah, definitely. Choose a Deathly Hallow, Elder Wand, Resurrection Stone, Cloak of Invisibility. Elder Wand. Of course, yeah. <laughs> right, I need mean Cloak of Invisibility. Dead. Right. Which path do you intend to follow after leaving Hogwarts? <clears throat> Ministry, travel, set down start a family, or continue to work hard in order to achieve as much success as possible? Most success as much as, much <laughs> success as possible. Um, I'm probably like settle down to be honest. Like, to be fair, that is low key me as well. Like, I've been groomed for house with free since I was like seven years old, so <laughs> I do have that inclination. But fair. I also want to be successful. Right. Finally, we want to know. Um, which house you want to uh, you, which one do you think you identify with most closely so this is like which one you'd be telling the heart oh I want to be there right so I'm gonna which one did you choose Slytherin well I know that from my Pottermore quiz that I'm Slytherin and when I did this test last time I was also Slytherin however wait wait tell us which one did you choose for the last so question so Slytherin right so I'm gonna choose Gryffindor even though I've been told I'm a Hufflepuff because I want to because you're a fag <laughs> wow, okay, right, so go on, tell us your percentage. Uh, for the first time ever, by the way, guys, so my little... Okay, I do want to clarify, disclaimer, I'm 24 years old. I'm not a neek for me to be doing up Harry Potter quiz, like, all the time. My li- my 12-year-old sister has recently finished reading all the books and she's very, very, very obsessed. So she, me and her bond, like, over Harry Potter and she makes me do several quizzes all the time and I've always, always gone slivering. I'm so consistently slivering. Guys, why, why does this one say Gryffindor? <sighs> 32% Gryffindor, 29% Slytherin, which attests to the fact that I was that what I was saying before about Gryffindor and yeah. Slytherin being more similar than they are Fair. different. Because last time it was like 31% Slytherin and 30 or 29% Gryffindor, something like that. Well, this time apparently you're Gryffindor. Yeah, I thought that very, you know, I told you very, very similar. Right. How do you feel? You about feel that? you feel very disappointed. Go on. <laughs> what did you get? Hufflepuff. 31% <laughs> Hufflepuff. <laughs> 27% Ravenclaw, uh, 27% Gryffindor, and 15% Slytherin. Oh, you know what? I think God. the fact that it's 15% Slytherin <laughs> shows the kind of person that, that I you am. are. So, you know. 
That is so funny. I'm so fed up of getting hot buffer. I'm literally, I... You need, you know what it is? You need to, so my sister, my 12-year-old, she's, maybe she's Ravenclaw. I can't remember, but, but whatever she is, yeah, it's not one of the main ones. I'll take Gryffindor and Slytherin, the main ones. Listen, you just got to embrace it. Not everyone can be main character. No, but the, uh, it's not about being main character. It's, do you know what the Hufflepuff, like, common room is? What? It's like... I know that they're funny. That's what they're known for. The cooking. Uh, it, it's it's uh, near the kitchen, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, what is it? It's like, basically... Is it clapped? Yeah. It's like underground and it's like really earthy. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to be in the tower. <laughs> like, but that's who you are, love. That I'm is not... who you are. You need to embrace that. Uh, How many more tests until you accept it? Never. I'm never accepting it. You see me, yeah. Obviously, everyone, when they do the test, they, they want... They want Gryffindor, but when I got Slytherin, I accepted it. Yeah, but you wanted yeah. it. So like... Now I did. When I first did the test, obviously I wanted to be Gryffindor. I find it hard to think of a time when you didn't want what to be Slytherin. <laughs> I know. Right. So we're coming to the end of our <laughs> uh, third third or fourth show if you count the christmas special um hope you've enjoyed it um, thanks for tuning in guys yeah, thanks for all the love if you don't already follow us on our socials um either at manga masala radio or manga masala mcr depending what socials you're on um we post in clips from today on insta and youtube as well and also the whole thing on spotify eventually mm-hmm. um and yeah, we'll be back next week with more exciting content. So look forward to sharing that with you. And we will see you next week.